Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the re- to this week's edition of the Ninth State Sports Show. My name is Joe Marcellina. I'm happy to be back with you uh, once again talking high school lacrosse. Uh, this week I'll be joined by Bishop Girton coach uh, Chris Cameron. Uh, this we'll be talking about you know the first week of the lacrosse season getting underway uh, this past Monday. Uh, before we get started, though, let me remind you. Uh, we'll be recording the show on Wednesdays at 7 p.m. at Riverside Barbecue uh, in downtown Nashua every week. You can be a part of the conversation by emailing me at nhhighschoolsports at gmail.com. Uh, and the show is available to listen to every Thursday morning at nh-highschoolsports.com. Now let's welcome in uh, Coach Cameron. Thanks for joining me. Uh, how are you today? Joe, thanks for having me. It's a great time of year. Yeah. It's, we've, we've faced... Uh, snow and yesterday was 90 degrees and today's <laughs> a little bit of rain so that's new england lacrosse but it's uh, it's an exciting time it, it was you know i was out yesterday watching a couple games uh, over at stelos and i just you know the sun beating down on you and i'm hot and i'm like it's just too early for the to the, this kind of heat uh but i'll gladly take that over the six inches of snow that we got uh, you know the end of end of march there oh yeah absolutely a great game you saw at uh at stellos last night between north and salem right was, was that the game you were at yeah that one i was at the the, the girls played londonderry bg girls played londonderry that was a great one yeah i mean londonderry um, 4-4 at half they and, and they really gave them were giving them everything uh they had up until like the last 12 minutes uh and yeah, then and new coaching staff, they uh, you know, because Bob Slater has right, stepped down, right. and, and Londonderry seems like they they've always been a strong program. Uh, but BG, maybe just a little bit too much. Um, Olivia Kutzis and Kate Bradford, kind they of took kind over. Of they kind of took over at the end there. Um, and then the, yeah, you're right. The boys' game was uh, was a great one. Um, you know, I thought it, North got up six to one. Um, you know, over through the first quarter and a half, and I thought, wow. I mean, Salem didn't look really good. They Salem looked like a team that hadn't played on a field yet and find out afterward that that was kind of the case was they really hadn't been outside much that's impressive you can adjust in one game to not being on a field that's pretty good because north does have turf they have the benefit of having having stellos and salem's fields are oh they're grass and they're always wet and they're always muddy so they probably haven't been on a field i don't know what kind yeah. of turf access they have down there uh yeah no i don't know they um I, who was i speaking of? ben benjanest after the game they're uh, number 77 for them who looks a little you know looking out there and you don't usually see a kid wearing uh, that number so he kind of catches your eye that and the, i thought he was probably one of the you know one of the two or three best players out there last night between him and, and north's uh todd, todd redmond, redmond yeah. um todd redmond, yeah, yeah. He's, he's a player he's uh he's not gonna wow you with his with his size and no. but he's a he's a very skilled player yeah. tough and, and just hard nose. Yeah, it, it, it that game had so many momentum swings in the second half because they just went back and forth in the third quarter, scoring, and then back and forth with possession in the fourth. Um, you know, and then in overtime, uh, Salem goes a man up, doesn't score. South goes two up, and then hits a post. Um, it hit a, po- yeah. hit a post. Yeah. Oh yeah. It was a wide open yeah. shot, and it just it it hit it, and um, Salem went the other way and scored. That's a game, you know, it's the first game of the year. Uh, you look at, I was looking at the, uh, some of the rankings that they have regionally, and there are teams like that are 11-1 and one right now, 10-0. and 0, So, you know, the regions of, of, that's like Baltimore, but down south, they've played 11-12 games. And New York's probably four or five games in, same with New Jersey. Connecticut's about four games in. So we're, we're behind everyone, but it doesn't, you know, not too many teams play that far out of state, but, you know, for us, it's you know, it is the elements. I know Tom King recently had an article in the Telegraph about yep. it. You got to push it, yeah, pushing it back another push, week. Pushing it back. I mean, <sighs> you do run. It's a short enough season as it is. I mean, basketball, yeah. that season, hockey goes on forever. But lacrosse, yeah. I mean, we're playing in like 30, in like 
I think it's like 40 days we're playing 18 games. Right? Mm -hmm. I mean, there's a lot of games in a short amount of time. It's, uh, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a problem that, or I don't even know if it's a problem. It's something that I don't think there is an answer to, because, yeah, this year, you know, that snowed late. What if, you know, what if it hadn't? It would have been a great, you know, we we started getting spring-like weather the end of February, and it really seemed like everybody was going to be able to go day one, well, uh, you know. And, I was and looking at the fields in February, I'm like, all right, we're, we're good to go, and all of a sudden we got hit with the one and the two, and then, um, but you know what? I don't think anyone, I don't think any games really. Uh, this this is the week to start. I mean, they they have it figured out at the NHIA. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, it's a great time of year. So let's um, tell us a little bit about your team this year. Obviously, you guys are coming back in, uh, having won Division One last year, six of the last seven uh, championships in Division One. And for you, it's probably got to be pretty exciting adding the guys that you did, including your sons this year, having them on the team. You know, how does that make it a little extra special coaching it, it, them? It does because they've been on the sidelines since they were my first year. Uh, they were, let's see, Ryan was five and Sean was three, and they were on the sideline for the first time. They've been around the program for, for so long, so it is it is special just showing up to practice and all right, they're my boys, <laughs> so it, it, it is good. Um, and I, I, I texted uh, my, when I played for the Boston Blazers, Peter Lasagna was my general manager, and he's the head coach at Bates right now. And they're having they're like ten and zero right now, ranked top three, like two or three in the country. And he says it's just a special group, and I just want to slow down time and enjoy every day. So that's what I, I'm like. You know what? I, I really like that. That's what I'm trying to do this year with this team is just just enjoy every single practice, every single game. And and this is you know opening day. It's it's kind of what I've been waiting for since uh, you know last June 11th. Yeah, these kids have worked hard, um, and it, it's just a group that. You know, we got challenged right out of the gate. We had a scrimmage versus Lincoln Sudbury and Catholic Memorial after five days of practice. Right, yeah. And it was, you know, we, we found out what we were about right away. Uh, and you guys did, at least score-wise, did well in those games, uh, or those scrimmages. We, we uh, it, and, and a little short-handed, having a couple guys hurt, I think, that weekend, or? We, we did. We've, we had, you know, we have uh, um, Sean. My son Sean's been out, uh, but he's back now. Yeah. Uh, Christian Trahan's been out. He's not back. Uh but for the most part, other than Christian, you know, we're we're healthy and, and ready to go right now. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Lincoln Sudbury is just a power in New England, and you know, we took it to them pretty good that, that that first scrimmage. They were they were a little bit surprised. I mean, their coach is just a he's one of the top coaches, top lacrosse people in, in New England, and, and it's just nice to be able to measure yourself up. You know, the first time against the program, Lincoln Sudbury, and we we jumped on them eight to one. So it was, you know, they were, they were good. They were good, but, you know, the, what the negative for that is the kids start believing how good they are, and you got to kind of bring them back down to earth and say, you know, it doesn't, it just doesn't happen. You know, you got to make it happen every day. It, it starts at practice. I, I'm, I'm going to jump on that because I wanted to get to this eventually because your schedule, um, like you always do, you schedule out of state teams. Uh, you said, you, like you said, you open tomorrow with, at Hanover, and then next week it's, you know, right into the fire with, um, Needham, Redding, and then LaSalle uh, from Providence, back to back, day in, day off in between. Um, you know, you guys have always had those kind of games. It feels like on the schedule, just getting them all up here. Um, and I know you talked about last year being the first year you you'd gone undefeated against your out of state competition. They're calling you guys now to schedule games that that as yeah, opposed to maybe I, a ten I, years ago. I think ago there's a few things at, at play there, but I used to just have to beg, borrow, and steal to get the Massachusetts teams. You know, we were a program that had won in 2002 and 2003, won three total games. 
and I finally was able to get a game with Duxbury. He said, all right, I'll, I'll give you a chance based on the relationship. And, and one of the things he said is you have to schedule tough teams to, to get better, to raise the level of your program, and that's what I did. We took a beating for a few years. We went, I think we lost the first nine against Duxbury. Right, we yeah. Last year. But it made us better. It makes us better. Like Pinkman makes us better because we know they're always going to be there. Uh, but, yeah, but this year we were fortunate that we had two teams move down in, in, in uh, Memorial and Dover. Uh, and Dover, you know, they put up 18 goals yesterday. So they're, they're, they're a challenge to, to Derryfield this year. But So that enabled us to go from four out of state to six out of state. And not only that, but out of our, we have four of those out of state teams coming to us. So it's just I think it shows the respect that we have you know, in the New England lacrosse community, because now we got guys. If you want to play us, you got to mm. come to us this year, and teams are willing to do that. So, which is great. So, I think hopefully the fans come out and take advantage of that. When you have Needham and Redding and LaSalle, and we also have DCI uh, coming to us to play at, at Stella. So it's you know it's a it's a challenging you know schedule. We also have Duxbury neutral site at LaSalle, and then we have at at Severian. Right. So. Um, yeah. I when I first saw that schedule uh, next week, I think I marked those in on my calendar in pen, you know, as soon as I knew about them, uh, because it's, it's something that you don't, you don't get to see. I mean, we, you know, I know, I know in other sports talking to other coaches, you know, how good is this team? How good is that team? How good are, you know, they don't get to play those games. They don't get to go out of state and play. I know the BG girls basketball this year tried to do that with a couple games. One of those games ended up getting canceled. Yeah. And it, and it, it, it just, um, you like to see, I, I like to see it because, you know, if I'd rather see you guys play a competitive game against anybody than you know games that are, are kind oh of yeah, one sided. Fifteen nothing game yeah. at halftime, um, and that's what Needham. I think we've played eleven years now, mm-hmm. and we're, we've come out. We're t- no, is it, this is ten, ten years. We're nine and one against them, mm-hmm. but s- about seven of those games have been decided by two goals or less, including last year was a one goal yeah. game. Reading was a was a 12-11 game in overtime, and yep. LaSalle they they haven't they've won five state championships in in uh, Rhode Island, so it's going to be you know they have nine Division one players, mm-hmm. so it's going to be those three games are going to really be a test. I remember that one what three years ago now going down there with you guys to Providence, yeah, uh, to watch you play that one, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, very entertaining game, and and you know hope, I would imagine it's going to be that that one's over at at Riv at right Riv instead of Stellos, yeah. 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 Um, you know, how did that – because I remember in the past, too, you guys had gone on trips, too, go to play New York, New Jersey teams, um, you know, that kind of stuff. What does that do to teams? I know I know. Um, last week, uh, Derryfield's Chris Hetler was here. He was telling us, you know, he took his team on a trip, you know, to, to upstate New York last uh, a couple weeks ago. They did a Florida trip. Trying to do those kind of things um, – does it help with like the bond uh, aside from the competition? There's definitely team bonding, um, especially early on in the year. The kids come together, but in the end, for me, it was expensive. I mean, it's real expensive to go. It was like over ten grand to play two games, and I'm like, so I looked and I said, why am I going to New York to play two games when we have all these great teams in Massachusetts? And that was the reason for making that decision to not play the New York teams anymore. Um, and we did have we do have some teams in that are coming up to play like Lincoln Sudbury or they're playing BC High where they say hey can we get you on the schedule but we only have room for those for those six games but yeah it does I, I think uh, knowing some players on the Derryfield team uh, it's, it certainly helps like our, our team tonight they had a uh, team dinner beforehand and you can just see so the parents were sending me some of the pictures and they were playing spike ball which I don't really love the day before a game <laughs> hearing something like that but yeah 
Yeah. Uh, it, it does. It, it, it certainly brings the kids together. Because in, in our situation, we have a 45-player roster. We have seven freshmen. And so those freshmen, you know, they, really, they don't really know the juniors and the seniors that well. So it just kind of it's a good experience for them. And, you know, we really hold our players accountable to be respectful, good citizens, good leaders, to welcome those, those freshmen in. Uh, you know, looking at this group, um, you know, talking to a lot of other coaches around the division and around the state, you know, they've kind of got you guys and, and Pinkerton circled as the teams to beat. Um, but when you look out at Division One, you know, who are some of the other, other teams that you look at and say, you know, these are the good teams, you know, that we're going to be facing down the road in state? In state, I, I think you, you got Pinkerton is right there. They're never going to make it easy. No, no state championship mm -hmm. is going to be easy without them. And we've had some years where 2012, we beat them 15 to three during the regular season, and in the playoffs, Coach O'Reilly did an unbelievable job. We beat them three two, right at Bedford. So they're always going to be a team that you got to watch out for. But this year, uh, another well-coached team in Bedford. They just—they're very strong defensively this year. Their their issue is going to be face-offs and finding offense. Uh, and I think I would have Londonderry, Coach LeBlanc's team, and, and Cody Marquis. They just do a great job. Young coaches, very energetic uh, and knowledgeable coaches. So I think those teams, and then Sohegan is a, is a team a lot like Bedford that is very good defensively. I mean, th this is the year of the goalie. There's about five goalies. We could, we could yeah. talk about each one of them that are really, really good. And Alex Burnley is a goalie that's committed to Dartmouth. Um, and the defense led by his brother, um, Foster. Foster, yeah. Cornell. yeah. But they have another, like they have Palmer Bolowski, they have uh, Finley Morgan, um, they just have a lot of defense, but offensively, mm. they're going to really struggle scoring. I mean, mm. that's going to be the challenge for them is those younger kids are going to have to have to grow up and, and also face-offs. Uh, who else do we have? We have Exeter has a few injuries right now. Right. Um, they're going to also have trouble scoring. I mean, they're always going to be in games because uh, Jerry Holly and Kelly Carr are just two great coaches. They have a freshman goalie starting in Henry mm. Uh He played a very strong game versus, versus Bedford, but he's still a freshman and and you know, clearing, I mean, saving the ball, he was great, but he struggled clearing at times. And that's going to happen when you're a freshman. But that's you know, then and then you have teams like North, South, Salem, Concord. Concord seems to be a team that's you know, ever since Jeff has kind of taken over, um, they just keep getting better and better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's kind of um, you know, looking at the rest of the division, there's a lot of good teams out there, and with the change that you you mentioned earlier, that you know, Memorial and Dover moving down. The new rule that the NHIA has this year with the 70% of teams. What, what is that exactly? So it, they changed it so that for pretty much every sport, um, only 70% of the teams in the division make it. So oh, for playoffs? For playoffs, okay. yeah. I mean, I don't think it – I think actually in lacrosse it ends up being less um, just because I, – I actually, I don't know exactly why. But so I know – so it's 13 teams and only eight so make the playoffs um, so this year. Okay. So you go no first round, you just go straight into the quarterfinals. Um, you look at Division Two. I think there's 20 teams, 20-something teams, 12 are making it. You know, it was that way with, with, with basketball. You looked at, you know, D1 girls was 12, D2, or excuse me, D1 boys was uh, 13. Um, so there's going to be, and I, I think this is the case in every division, there's going to be a, a good team or two that doesn't end up making the playoffs. Well, that, that's that battle I'm talking about. I think Merrimack is very young. Brian Miller is a great coach, and I think he's, he's spending time with the youth program. And they're going to get better, but it, it, t it takes a while. And then Central, they got beat up by Sohig in the first game. They're going to be those. Are, that's thirteen and twelve, but eleven through call it like five through eleven is going to be you know is going to be 
a log jam. There's going to be yeah, it's going to it's going to come down to tiebreakers, which I know everybody everybody loves trying to figure out. And also scheduling. You got to look at like in the past, Salem has played these teams like Whittier Tech or some vocational school, and they count for for wins. Yep. So how many times are you playing Central or like like Chris at Derryfield's playing Memorial twice? But for him, I don't think he wanted that. Yeah. Yeah. It just happened. But you can schedule anybody out, outside of those six games. So how soft is some of their schedules? It could, could matter who gets in the playoffs. But you saw it with Salem and North last night. I mean, you're going to see South and Conk. I mean, and uh, Hanover, I don't know what to expect tomorrow. I, I really don't. I mean, they're a team that they, they, they beat us in two state championships. And I, I told the kids that. And they're like, come on, coach. <laughs> they, they because Salem yeah. has really hasn't been relevant since 2012. Mm-hmm. So these kids, yeah. they, they really didn't. They don't. They're not taking Hanover seriously, and I know how good Hanover can be. You go up yeah. there, and, and they they beat a team. The the name of the team is um, maybe Chamberlain Valley. Or Ch- you, I you know, know what you're talking about. Up, yeah. They won 12-11 in overtime, and that team looked like they. they uh, Champlain Valley. Champlain Valley. Yeah, yeah. So that team went undefeated last year. Yeah. So it was a really good team in Vermont that, that Hanover beat. So I don't know what to expect, but I think that they're a team. That's certainly going to be in that. That's a, 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 I think they hit your, they receive votes in your poll. Yeah, week. yeah. The in the in the coaches' poll, uh, first one released this week was kind of a. I don't know if it was too um, surprising on one two. Um, you know, obviously you guys and Pinkerton finishing first and second for the kind of the preseason poll had uh, Bedford coming in at number three, Derryfield four, and then Exeter at five, uh, Sauhegan six, Londonderry seven, Portsmouth came in at eight. And Concord nine and Nashua South ten, um, about kind of what I expected that that you know the top two teams were you know you guys you guys and Pinkerton, and then a little bit of a jumble in there between three and and uh, seven, and then just uh, you know a couple of other teams that are maybe flying under the radar right now, either getting votes or just coming in at the bottom. Yeah, I think that's pretty accurate. I think you, you might see Exeter struggle a little bit because they open up with. They open up with Bedford. Now they right. play Pinkerton tomorrow, right. and they're they got some injuries, and they're very young. They're offensively challenged. So they, and I think Londonderry, in my opinion, is, is going to be a team that's going to be in that top four, top five. Well, top yeah, top four in Division One because Derryfield's not in Division One, and hmm. Derryfield's a team that could certainly would make noise in, divi- in Division One. Right. Their issue is they only have 300 kids in the school. So how do you ask Coach Heather to move up <laughs> to Division One when you have yeah. Pinkerton that's 3,500 kids? Yeah, it's yeah. Very, it's very difficult. It's one one kid. Uh, tweaks an ankle on the turf the wrong way and That's all of a sudden the season's you know season's over exactly. well maybe not time. over but yeah the depth isn't there um you know what about with you guys um you know who are some other kids that that you are expecting to kind of um play some big roles for you guys this year uh, well, i'll start on the defensive end you have colin casey in goal this will mm-hmm. be the third year he's starting he's being pushed by two really solid backup goalies cameron Bruvier, who's a senior Go to University of New England, uh, and James Heitmiller, who's a freshman, but he's the top 2020 freshman goalie in the country. He's really, really good. So Colin's been pushed by them, and he, he's handled it well. But he's earned the starting spot. Um, his thing is he's really got he he got himself in really good shape. He's more athletic in the cage, and he's clearing the ball very well. Defensively, we're big and athletic. We have Doug Barker, who's committed to UMass Lowell. He's he's um, a, a junior. We have a lot of juniors, a lot of 2018s on this team. So most of this team is going to be back. Uh, six six kid lefty, great hands. Just what everyone everyone yeah. else wants to hear is most of these yeah, kids are no, coming back. We will be back. Um, Ryan Flynn, another hockey player, who's just a you know physical type kid. We mm-hmm. got a 
settle him down because on the ice he liked to take a lot of penalties and we went over that again today no penalties he's a six foot four defenseman division one potential and then justin todd who's just a very smooth player been on the varsity since his freshman year and then we have kyle fisher who's an lsm he's a converted uh short stick midfielder lsm and he's the most athletic lsm i've had since 2012 um so he's really really good and then uh Henry Boyle, another football player, is a back is the second LSM. You have to play two LSM these days. Uh, the faceoff X, we have Austin King, another hockey player. He's going to be the guy right now. He's backed up by Jack Johansson and Zach Keenan uh, until Christian Trahan is back at, at some point. Uh, middies, we we can run uh, like three midi lines this year. So uh, John Bruno, he's a captain, uh, headed to Bentley. Um, Drew Haley, um, he's headed to Merrimack, and Brendan McGinnis, who's a at the Division One level right now, and then we have um, talked about Sean earlier. We have Anthony Priest, who's going to Salary Regina, Will Latham, who's going to Hood College, um, and who's the other? Oh, Cam Fagan is an, is another. So that's those are seven middies um, <laughs> that are gonna that can all play and get, yeah. get up. We run a lot of two-way middies, but when we don't, we do have D, two D middies and Jared Zytek, who's the captain of the BG hockey team next year, and Joey Lupo, who's a freshman. He was the 200 and the 100 meter state champion in you know. Uh, Sprinter, so he's speed, speed, yeah. speed, 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 more speed. And Nate Bennett is another guy. At attack, we have Brian that you mentioned. Mm -hmm. He's uh, he's the quarterback of our offense. And we got uh, Michael O'Reilly, who's a senior captain. Sam Prunier is another uh, junior. And then mm -hmm. Jordan Cato, who's a playing a keen next year. He's a se he's a senior captain. He's just an inside finisher. He's a kid that he could score 100 goals this year because yeah. he's just so smooth. And when they send doubles to Brian, he's a guy that's just been finishing everything inside. Um, you know, it's funny. I uh, reading a little bit about you guys going in and and, and seeing that Brian was going to play on offense. I remember, um, you know, I've seen him. Like you said, he has been on the sidelines. For, you know, feels like forever. Um, but watching him in the uh, the Granite State games last year, just kind of play. I don't know what he was. He was playing more well, more defense. Yeah. Ball, yeah, and uh, I didn't know where he played, and I just that was the first time I'd seen him playing. And then oh, oh okay, well, that's just where he is. And then so he, but. But I mean, he is he a kind of kid like you could put him um, just about anywhere, and he'd he'd yeah, pretty much be successful. Off, when we run our indoor league during the winter, he loves playing long pole. He just has a long pole in his hand. He also him and Sean shoot on each other all the time, playing goalie and stuff. So I don't know. Why, I'm not going to put him in the goal, but he's been he's been asking to get on the man down unit. Um, but yeah, during the Grand State games, he he had, he asked coach was a coach a coach Hattler, Hattler, play yeah a little, yeah uh, play a little little defense. You know, when you play so much lacrosse just kind of a break for him at times just to put the long pole in his hand uh, was it almost kind of um you know how did that work because you you know you've got your two sons here um you have a, a daughter too uh Kristen, who's playing at what northwestern yep, um northwestern. did they how did they how did they end up following kind of in your footsteps did they want to play lacrosse did they see you playing and want to play or you know did they I guess was it a choice? Uh, uh, and how did they? A choice. <laughs> Sean is not one that I could tell him this is what you're doing. Yeah, he's the kind of one I'm going to do what I want to do type oh. type individual. Uh, but he was a, he, he also played soccer. He, mm -hmm. You know, he yeah. took his share off, but he loves playing soccer. Brian Lacrosse, he wasn't that interested in basketball. He, he was basketball 24 hours a day, uh, and all of a sudden, about the fourth grade, he's he kind of you, you saw a shift. Mm -hmm. Yeah. From, from basketball to lacrosse. He still plays basketball. He didn't play this year at BG, but he had played varsity at Brewster for two years. Not on the prep team at Brewster, but right. on the varsity <laughs> team. Um, and then Kristen played field hockey and, and lacrosse. But 
Yeah, it was one of those things. I mean, they were certainly exposed to it because it, it's our world, not mm. just with the Bishop Girton, but with the Tomahawks. Is they're around it so much. But it was you can't make anybody do something. They have to have a passion, and, and each one of them ha- has a passion to, and they they love playing lacrosse. You know how how much has um you know because you obviously played um what at all levels of the of the of the sport. Um, now been coaching for a while up here. Just how is it kind of grown i guess since you first started coaching up here i mean what's what's different what's what's been the biggest difference between then and now so my i was uh i was in the financial world trade in a hedge fund and, and kind of shut that down and and pat smith who i, I thank to this day every time i see him because his daughter mave plays in our program on the, on the mm-hmm. girl side and uh he heard from someone that i was po- a potential coach for him so this was 2003 uh and he called me and i went over and jumped in and uh i'm like you know what this is what i want to do i said mm-hmm. i couldn't believe it but two days later i didn't know what i was gonna do when i was coaching trinity lacrosse we practice in a little parking lot coach Hetler and i laugh about this story so i had three practices with them and pat was like thank you thank you thank you because he was not a lacrosse guy great individual great basketball coach but lacrosse was not his thing and he, he happily handed it off so we played Derry field and the first game uh trinity won it was three overtimes we won like five to four yeah. And my assistant coach says, you won't believe what just happened. You just beat the number one team in the state. We're going to, we're <laughs> unbelievable, you know, you, you can't believe this. So I'm like, yeah. oh, my God, I, I had no idea about the landscape of New Hampshire lacrosse. So two days later, we got on the bus to go up to Laconia. I'm feeling pretty good. We just beat the number one team in the state. After the first quarter, it was 10 nothing, And then all of a sudden, it got to 12 nothing, and, and, the, and the clock's running. I'm, I'm still thinking at this point, we're going to come back. We just had a slow start. And the ref goes, and, and the ref's like, "No, the, the clock runs when you're down by 12 goals <laughs> in the second half." So, um, I learned quickly that there was some pretty good lacrosse out there. Yeah, you know, up yeah. I think that was uh, Coach Webster was was in Laconia, but yeah. Um, and so that's the reason why I started the Tomahawks because I'm coaching these kids at Trinity, and I'm like, "There's some really good players here that aren't even getting close to getting recruited." I mean, so so I would call I call friends up that I played with that are college coaches and like, "Hey, you know, where's he going to play this summer?" And like, "What do you mean this summer?" Like, they're they're the, the club circuit was not existent up here, but it was in the, in, in the other hotbed areas. So there's a lot of really good kids here. Um, and, and the best player that we've had in New Hampshire you know, it was Stephen Boyle, who's now a coach at Drexel. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was at Pinkerton. He won the 2006 state championship, and he won a national championship at Johns Hopkins, maybe two national championships. So we've had some great players, and it's getting – it's getting deeper. There's yeah. more and more kids playing that that are you know, that are at, at you know not just. I mean, you have kids. Uh, there's Drew Muzzy up at Laconia. You have kids out at, at Keene. You have kids on the Seacoast. So it's all areas that it's, it's really taken off. It's it's programs too. I feel like every year there's been two or three new programs that have been added to the varsity level. I mean, not, not in Division One, but I mean this yeah. year you got Alvern and. And uh, interlegs, you know, now varsity programs. Yeah. Campbell's added one. Cole Brown has added it. It just, it seems like, you know, when I had this conversation with a, a, a non-lacrosse coach in the fall, you know, asking me, what do I think is the, the, the sport that the most New Hampshire high school kids go on, they get recruited by Division One and Two to play in college. And I think by far it's, it's been lacrosse. I, I, I 100% agree with that. Yeah. I mean, just BG alone, and I think it stands for the state. I mean, we've had more Division One athletes in lacrosse at than any any other sport in, in the school. I think in the in the state too. I don't know what the exact numbers are, but by far, I think we turn out 
more than any other sports division wants to have picks. It, it feels like it. I mean, you're, you're talking about the number of guys on your team that are going on to play uh, at the next level. I'm sure Pinkerton has Pinkerton plenty of guys. Crew, a, you yeah. know, Dairyfield's got them. Sauhegan's got them. You know, I was up at Goffstown a little while ago. They've got some guys that are going on to play at the next level. Uh, you don't get that necessarily in, in other sports. It's maybe one or two kids. Um, depending on the sport, obviously, you're going to have a better chance of having lacrosse or football kid just because of the number of kids that you have uh, as opposed to, like, basketball or tennis or something like that. It, it opens uh, up more doors than, than that, that. That's what we try to do is, is just get you know get into a school that you wouldn't have gotten into, and that, that's what it's doing. And the other thing you're seeing is there's a lot more knowledgeable, talented coaches out there. It used to be you'd have a guy who coached a football team and – Okay, I'm gonna coach the cross. I didn't really know. I'm gonna hit, hit, hit. Um, but that is—it's just seen more and more of that. Like Salem, I haven't met the Salem coach yet, but I hear he, he played somewhere. Uh, he might have played. He might be playing professional box lacrosse. I heard or something like that. Mm -hmm. So, um, and then there's another coach. Uh, you got Chris Beatty at, at Campbell. You know, coach at the, and the level, um, so. Hollis is new coach. Uh, uh, his name is escaping oh, yeah, me. Yeah, uh, McDonough, McDonough, you know, yeah, Fairfield, so yeah. You, you, you're seeing more and more of that. One thing that you don't have in New Hampshire is our 2018 Tomahawk team, which is a lot of kids on BG. There's seven of those kids that are on that team. There was only, other than myself, there's only one other parent that played college lacrosse. When you go down to New York or Baltimore or upstate New York and even Massachusetts now, all of these parents have played lacrosse before, so they're getting coached at an early, early age. You're not seeing that yet, but you're starting to see more and more of it. Uh, I know for myself, I was always a... I mean, I grew up, you know, growing up in Nashua. I was a played baseball, uh, little league, and watched baseball and followed it. And uh, you know, graduated in the late '90s. By the time my brother, who was a few years behind me, came through, he had switched over to lacrosse. Uh, oh, really? I think he'd be the first to tell you. So I'm not surprising anybody here. But he wasn't very good. But he was, you know, he tried to play. Um, and I think maybe, you know, and that's what you continue to see is just kids switching over. Uh, it's kind of exciting. Uh, yeah, I mean well it, yeah, there's a story with Tony Johnson, who was a, you know, a great. He became a very good friend at at, um, at BG. He was a great football coach and great athletic director. And he came to me and he says, "Chris, uh, the school wants to have a no cut policy, and lacrosse is going to be the sport." And I'm like, oh, "I mean, how am I going to manage this, Tony?" And he says, "It'll be worth it. Trust me." So I said, "All right, let's go with it." And the very first year, there was a player that never played lacrosse before. His name was Kyle Carrasco, and he picked it up, played on the freshman team. He played for Mike McCarthy, who was my freshman coach at the time. The next year, he was a starting defenseman for me, um, and he won three state championships, 10, 11, 12. Went on to play, um, was a four-year starter at UMass Amherst, yeah. and a three-time All-New England player. Uh, and that's just, though that's very rare, mm -hmm. because my, my first year, I got to get the years right, but 2003 slash 2004, I was a volunteer freshman basketball coach. Dave, um, Dave Rizzo uh, was the was the varsity coach. Yeah. I just saw him at Grill 110 last week, um, and I coached that team. And I I was able to recruit seven of those basketball players to play lacrosse. And my thought process is that basketball players are the best athletes. Five of those kids went on to finish four years of, of play blast lacrosse, and three of them went on to play um, college lacrosse. That being said, those days are over. These kids, have, their skill they, level yeah. is so much higher now because they're playing at such a young age that if you come out as a freshman now, you're so far behind. I mean, because the skill level that I have on this team now 
compared to 2005, even 2007, 2008, athletically it's not necessarily different. It's the same level athletes you had back then, but just the, the IQ and the skill level is just light years ahead of where it was 10 years ago. Uh, you know, and to, to wrap up, a uh, last question. Um, you know, obviously the goal is always to win a, win a championship. Uh, aside from that this year, what do you want to see happen with, with this group? Well, as I told the kids, it, it just doesn't happen when you put on a BG uniform. You have to make it happen. And I just want them to be, to be focused, um, not take any team for granted, to play hard every single practice and every single game. I mean, we have June 10th circled. I mean, that's our goal. I think it'll be our 13th state championship. That's our goal to get to that, but ultimately to, to win it. Um, and we know that there's going to be some teams, whether it's Pinkerton or Bedford or Londonderry. So you, there's some good teams out there that are going to, they're going to, you know, we, we have a target on our back. We're going to get everyone's best shot. We w we also want to run the table again out, out you know, out of out of state. You know, we have six. It's going to be tough this year. Even though I think we have the potential to be better than last year's team, which was a great team. Last year's team had some holes, but they were just an unbelievable group. Of, of just the character and the leadership was the best I've ever had. Uh, the 2016 team with Tim Hendricks and Nick Brunier and Jack McMallon. But this team has just a little bit more athleticism and a few really high skilled players that we can be very, very good. And we have to keep getting better that way. And the out-of-state schedule pushes us to be better. All right, uh, Coach Cameron uh, from Bishop Girton, once again, thank you for stopping in and joining me to the, uh, for this week's show. I uh, want to go over a couple things I'm going to have coming up. Uh, of course, tomorrow I'll be, uh, uh, if I can stay awake and, and survive, if there's any more sun, a triple header over at Stellos uh, on Thursday, I should say, not tomorrow, um, Thursday, uh, starting with uh, the BG girls against North, Merrimack and then North boys after that capped off with uh, Londonderry and Nashua South boys uh, in the final game. Uh, a few other games covered this week, and don't forget you can check out the uh, the next uh, coaches poll will be up at nh-highschoolsports.com uh, next Tuesday. Uh, for uh, Coach Cameron, this is Joe Marcellino. I want to thank you again for listening to the show.